We'd like to welcome you back to part three of our current event and weekly Bible study for December 14th, 2014. Next report is a clergy response team insider reveals the duties of a pastor inside a FEMA camp. Now, um, I've done many reports on this. This is total confirmation on many of the teachings I've done regarding this subject. And I actually post those teachings within the body of this part of the PDF. So you can understand that I've been talking about this all the way back to, I think, 2007 at least, if not before that. I mean, officially on teachings. I knew about it before that as well. Uh, so that you can understand that I, I don't think this is idle talk, that this is just something from one person that has no merit. There are a ton of other reports that you can reference. Although I will say this is some of the most suppressed information out there, okay, overall. I thought at the time when I first started hearing about this in earnest in 2007, around there, uh, 2006 or whatever, that there was going to be a floodgate of information that got out on this particular subject. But there are non-disclosure agreements that are signed. These pastors that are doing this are totally yoked up with the government, and they think that they're yoked up with um, they're doing it to save their own hide, for one. They're doing it because they're cowards. Two, um, they're doing it because they think that, according to Romans 13, that the government is always a force for good, and therefore they have to obey it or they'll be damned. And that's a term in the Bible, and that's what they believe. They're believing that, that they cannot go against the government at all, because the government's always a force for good, even though when it's clearly a force for evil. Oh, who cares? We, we would rather obey the government than God. And so there's a lot of different reasons that I believe that they're getting yoked up with FEMA and Homeland Security and signing these non-disclosure agreements and, and getting ready to sell out their, their whole congregations and their flocks and getting ready to get them off to the concentration camps. I mean, there, there's a plethora of reasons, and it's all about self-preservation. It's all about um, not being persecuted by the government. It's all about being loved of man and being loved of the secular world and not offending and being politically correct. None of it is biblical. None of it is biblical. And so, you know, you may say, well, that's unfair. You don't know their heart. Well, I guess when you see what they're getting ready to do, I guess you'll understand why I'm a little bit upset about all of this information and have been for years. Because I, this doesn't compute to me. I don't understand how if you love the flock that you were supposedly called to serve, how you could be plotting behind their back to backstab them, to sell them out, to gut them, to betray them on every level, and feel good about yourself. You know, feel all warm and fuzzy inside. All I can think of is that you're demon-possessed. You are a vessel of Satan. If you've gotten to that point. Your conscience has been seared with a hot iron. You have been turned over to a reprobate mind. To do those things which are not convenient. Meaning fitting or apt. That's all I can really think. I don't know what else to think of. The Bible says a tree is known by its fruit. What am I to think here? So let's start out. Many people in the independent media have reported that an estimated 28,000 pastors. That's a lot of churches. You know, you, you, 28,000, you, you could get, that's, that's, a, that's a whole bunch of people in every state. 
Okay, that's a whole bunch of pastors. That's a whole bunch of churches in every state. And that number is probably very conservative. That's what we know of. An estimated 28,000 pastors were recruited by FEMA and DHS as part of the clergy response team and that their initial and primary training was to tell their flock to obey the DHS, DHS version of Romans 13. Department of Homeland Security version. Hitler's version. We're going to get into that in a second. Now, I've done a whole teaching on this. Romans 13 and unlimited sub, unlimited subservience to the government. Where should a Bible-believing Christian draw the line? I'll give you the link to that. Or just can Romans in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. And I'll also give you the link to the PDF for it. Many of us have been quick to point out that this twisting of Romans 13 is designed to force compliance to the government's edicts who might not otherwise comply. See, they've got to have all of these contingency plans to get people who might not otherwise comply to get them complying. That's, that's very important for Satan. Certainly all governments are not established by God. Were the governments of Stalin, Hitler, Pol Pot all ordained by God? What about George III and Obama? Okay, It's just getting worse and worse and worse as far as the evil. I have discovered that the clergy response teams are taking on much more nefarious duties, and it can be accurately stated that pastors associated with the DHS FEMA clergy response teams are going to do a whole lot more than encouraging their flock to just obey the government. That's just the tip of the iceberg. See, when you get in bed with Satan, he's always going to require a whole lot more than you're really going to want to give in the end. That's what happens when you make a deal with the devil. So what happens when you take on that 501c3 corporate ex- uh, status as a church? I'm not saying all pastors that are in that are doing this. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying it's the first step. It is the first step. So there's going to come a time where you're going to have to either make up your mind and say, well, listen, I'm not going to yoke myself up with the government anymore. You know, anything with, with two heads is a monster. Either I'm created by the Lord Jesus, either my church is created by and through the Lord Jesus Christ, or it's created by and through my 501c3 tax-exempt corporate government status, where I am the CEO as the pastor and the, and the deacons are the board of directors. That's how they designate you. Okay, um, I'm going to give you a link to a PDF I put together called Satan's Master Plan to Destroy the Church a little bit later that it will you can click on, and I've actually went through today... And my main teachings I've done on the 501c3 church, that is the PDF for it now. Um, I had had my daughter updating a lot of these things, and she wasn't aware that I had this teaching labeled under a different thing, Satan's Master Plan to Destroy Church. She couldn't find anything under that. So I went through today and actually put the right PDF with those teachings that didn't have one. And now you'll have access to all, it's like 39 pages of what we're talking about today in a much expanded form. And stuff I've talked about in the past as well. But it's like all of the teachings I've ever done on the 501c3 church in one document. So it's very powerful if you were to ever forward that to somebody or to print that out and give it to somebody. Help them try to refute refute it. And it also gives you resources on how to get out of the 501c3 church the right way. Because it's not easy. The government doesn't make that kind of stuff easy. Okay, so let's go further here. Um... And this is Dave Hodges. Uh, On December 9, 2014, I conducted a telephonic interview with Pastor Walt Mansfield. 
Pastor Mansfield was among the first of the pastors recruited to become part of the clergy response team. Okay, so he was one of the first ones. The revelations he conveyed to me, conveyed to me about the program had pastors doing a whole lot more than just preaching Romans 13. But before going to the disturbing contents of this interview, let's take a look at the relevant legislation which helps to legitimize Pastor Mansfield's outrageous claims. Uh, on December 31st, 2011, and this is just a couple little tiny things. This is, you could go, if you want to go into legislation, we could be here for hours talking about that. On December 31st, 2011, President Obama signed the National Defense Authorization Act. There's a link to it here. Um, into law, which in addition to allocating $662 billion to the Pentagon, also contains a measure, measure which allows U.S. citizens to be taken into custody and held indefinitely without ever being charged with a crime. Not only can any citizen deemed a threat to national security interests of the United States be held forever without receiving a trial, but the military will be the ones arresting those citizens. NDAA section 1022 subsection C quote allows detection under the law of war without trial until uh, detention under the law of war without trial until the end of hostilities authorized by the authorization for use of military force so um, without a trial they can detain you if they deem you as a threat for no reason and you say it could never happen in America. There's a picture here. Uh, daily life indefinitely detained in FEMA-like camps, the inter- internment of Japanese-Americans in World War II. They had whole concentration camps for the Japanese in World War II. And they, there's a picture of one here. They've done this before, in other words. And then there's also the National Emergency Centers Act, H.R. 645, which mandates the establishment of national emergency centers to be located on military installations for the purpose of providing temporary housing, medical, and humanitarian assistance to individuals and families dislocated due to an emergency or major disaster. According to the bill, the legislation also states that the camps will be used to provide centralized locations to improve the coordination of preparedness, response, and recovery efforts of government, private, and not-for-profit entities and faith-based organizations. Are those recovery efforts for non-profit entities and faith-based organizations, are they recovering the congregation? I mean, what could they be recovering? Well, they're recovering the, the sheep that have gone astray, that didn't turn themselves in, that didn't go to the church when they were told to go to get their forced vaccination and then be carted off to FEMA camps for extermination. Because that's pretty much the plan that I've seen from my research. That's what your good old 501c3 clergy response team pastors have in store for their congregations. I, I can't imagine any more that you could do to sell out your flock. I mean, the Bible says that the true shepherd will lay down the, his life for the sheep. But the hireling, meaning the one who's doing it for the money or the hire, has no true love for the sheep. He'll abandon them on a moment's notice. He'll sell them out on a moment's notice to save his own skin or for money or to not be persecuted. This is what we're this is what we're heading into. I hate to say it, but I mean, I the bill also provides that camps 
can be used to meet other appropriate needs as determined by the Secretary of Homeland Security. And we know that they're, they're definitely for our, our best interests, Homeland Security. This carte blanche mandate that many fear could mean the forced detention of American citizens in the event of a widespread rioting following a national emergency or total economic collapse, um, it could mean the forced detention. So, I think we can see that pretty easily. Pastor Mansfield was recruited to become a member of the clergy response team, which would operate under the control of NOVAD and DHS. And I didn't know what NOVAD was, but I looked it up, and it said National Voluntary Organizations Active in Disaster. Okay, so um, it's a whole group of organizations that will be activated in the event of some type of national or natural disaster. And they'll be working with the DHS. And the clergy response team would operate under them, okay, under the government. Well, they're already part of the government, the clergy response team. If you're part of the clergy response team, you're, you're a 501c3 church, okay? That's your, that's, your, that's your foot in the door, okay? And then the next step, it's like, you know, it's like the Freemasons. You go further and further. The next step is now you're a member of the clergy response team. And you're going to be directly under DHS and NOVAD and the government. Uh, Mansfield's revelations about his experiences are stunning and concerning at the same time. Pastor Mansfield attended several briefings, and he could barely believe his ears. He learned of the government's plan to enact martial law, as well as to implement forced population relocations. Mansfield emphasized that when martial law is enacted, the enforcement would be immediate. In other words, family members will be separated from each other, and the part and that part and part of the training that the clergy received was how to comfort separated family members. What what wonderful benevolent purpose I wonder they'd have of separating family members? Because you got to separate them. You got to divide and conquer, right? Well, yeah, just use one against against each other. Separate your family and and then tell the ones. I mean, if you're really going to go. If you're really going to get satanic about it, say, listen, we've got your wife and your children, and you're, you're the husband, and we're going to torture and kill them and mutilate them and rape them, and we're going to do everything on the planet to them unless you renounce Christ, unless you totally deny Jesus Christ. And if you if you do do that, we'll, I, I'll tell you what, we'll put you back together with them, you being the head of the family. Or maybe they, they say that to the other the other members. They, 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 they have no intentions of even doing that. But they just tell you that in order to get you to deny Christ. Or, you better take this vaccine that you, that you refused, even though it's loaded with microchips and all kind of foreign DNA, and, and, and only God knows what's even in there. You won't be human, fully human anymore. We've just got into that in, in recent weeks because it's literally foreign DNA combining with your DNA. <laughs> we don't really want to tell you what happens, but put it this way. <laughs> you'll beg for the mark of the beast when this, when this vaccine's done with you. It's like a demonic lobotomy. And unless you take it, we're going to do really, really bad things to your family. Now, I'm not saying this all to scare you. I'm saying this is what they could do. I'm saying so that you get on your knees in prayer about it now. So that this, this doesn't happen to you or your family. And I know the vast majority of people that listen to me don't go to 501c3 churches. And guess what? If you do, your pastor's not going to tell you that they're part of this. They've signed non-disclosure agreements, okay? And they're keeping tabs on their flock already. They're literally being recruited as informants and spies. And we're going to get into that in a second as well. And you could, oh, my pastor would never do that. Well, hopefully he wouldn't. Hopefully he wouldn't. 
Um, but I'll tell you, that first step in the door is that 501c3 tax exemption where you're getting yoked up with the government and you have no idea what's happening to a person spiritually or a church spiritually when you do that and you make the wicked, corrupt government and the IRS your head, which is what literally gave you your right to exist. It has to affect that church in a negative, demonic way. And you can't see it because the spirits aren't visible. So you don't even know it's hitting you. I'm just giving you some things of, of, of some things that they might try to do. Giving you a, try to give you a heads up. And so for you to pray about it. That this wickedness would be stopped. Going further. The family members will be separated from each other. And part of the training that the clergy received was how to comfort separated family. So they'll come. Even though they sold you out. Even though these are the devils that caused your destruction doom. They're still going to come at you like the good guys. Remember, their ears are open, though. They're still, they're there pumping you for information in a real nice, sympathetic way. Oh, we're sorry that that your husband had to be taken away, Jane. We're, we're sorry. Um, he, he didn't have any guns by chance, did he? Or he didn't have any things like gold or silver stored or survival gear or anything that, that could be used against the government or anything because, you know, I, I'm serious. This is how bad it's going to get. Traitors! The Bible talks about being traitors. Traitorous behavior is what I'm seeing is on the horizon here by these devils. Now, I've done a, a series of teachings called Feds Train the 501c3 Clergy to Quell Dissent During Martial Law. Three parts. I give you all parts right here. I'm just going to read you a little bit from the table of contents on that. During the reign of Adolf Hitler, three prominent Protestant theologians were dramatically successful in convincing German Protestants to cooperate with Hitler and his genocide of 18 million, quote, devalued people. Three prominent German theologians. I don't know if they were pastors as well. The Illuminati here in America is using the same tactic. What, what did they tell their, their flocks? What did they tell all the, all the supposed Christians in Germany? Preach Romans 13. Preach Romans 13. All governments are a force for good, even when obviously they're not. So we obey them to avoid damnation. That's a twisting of those scriptures. The... When it says that they're a force for good, you have to examine the fruit of the government to determine if it's a force for good. And obviously Nazi Germany wasn't. Obviously our government right now wasn't. Obviously Pol Pot and Stalin and those types of, of, of governments were not. The Illuminati here in America is using the same tactic and most and will most assuredly get the same cooperative response from the 501c3 corporate churches who were given their very right to exist by the government and IRS, who are not versed properly in the true meaning of Romans 13 to know when they are being deceived. Most likely, much of the reason genuine Christians will be turned into authorities is because church leaders, unquestionably submissive to the government, will turn them in. The one person, you know, maybe not the one, but the, one of the main people in your life you should be able to trust would be your pastor. And that will be the exact opposite for millions of people. They're going to find this out the hard way. Then I also did a teaching um, in 2009 called Disturbing 501c3 Corporate Church Report. I'm just going to read you, and here I give you a red link to the PDF, Satan's Master Plan to Destroy the Church. You might want to click on that and print that out. 
I know you won't be able to access the links if you do that, but just to have it for future reference would be good. Or, if nothing else, to have it on like a, a flash drive or something. You know, it'd be good to have that. Anyway, I give you, it's in red here. And um, this is the table of contents to this disturbing 501c3 corporate church report, this four-part teaching I did back in 2009. Uh, the LA Times reported that local ministers are being asked to spread the word about the upcoming digital TV switch. Remember how important that was, the whole digital TV switch, where you had to have the special kind of antenna or buy an updated TV in order for them to pump um, their TV signals in there? Yeah. And how that totally is... is, is part of the mind control, part of the manipulating of brain waves that is being done to this day and how it was very, very near and dear to Satan's heart. So much so that they actually had pastors preaching to their congregations to, to make sure they made the switch. Standing in the pulpit of Mount Moriah Baptist Church in South Los Angeles, FCC Commissioner Jonathan Edelstein asked the Baptist Ministries Conference of Los Angeles nearly 50 African-American preachers to include information on the June 12th digital TV switch in their sermons. What? Yeah, that's how, this must be real important to Satan. Woody Ramsey, a deacon at the Southern Missionary Baptist Church of Southeast Los Angeles, said the ministers were prepared to spread the word. They said, he said, it's incumbent upon each in the church to take care of the needs of its ministry, and this is just one more need for our people, he said. We'll do our part. Yeah, and I bet you you will line up and beg for the mark of the beast when it's given. Meanwhile, the, world, the Worldwide Church of God, now this is just one denomination. The Worldwide Church of God has refused to divulge how many of its pastors are now on the FEMA payroll. After a member expressed concerns about religious leaders being used to condition their congregation to accept the declaration of martial law. This is with the clergy response teams. How many uh, in your denomination... Don't you think that the, that the um, people within a given denomination, the, the, the congregation as a whole, let's say of a given denomination, don't you think they have that right to know who is on the clergy response team? No, you don't have any right. Pastors are going to keep all that from you. They all sign non-disclosure agreements and they're not going to, they're not going to say a word for the most part. Um, this was said after members expressed concerns about religious leaders being used to condition their congregation to accept the Declaration of Martial Law. In a May 2006 story, um, and it's since been confirmed, the shocking news that FEMA was training pastors and other religious representatives to become secret police enforcers, I played that clip before, uh, who teach their congregations to obey the government in preparation for declaration of martial law, property and firearm seizures, and forced relocation. They're going to tell their congregation, turn in your guns, turn in whatever the government tells you to turn in, probably survival gear, Come here, get mass vaccinated. This is going to be a vaccine center. And we got this nice train here that's going to take you off to your new home. I'm telling you. I even found that one church when I talked about this not too long ago where there was literally a train track right next to the church. Of this one church that was absolutely 100% in this, going along with this, getting ready for it. A KSLA news report confirmed that the clergy response teams are being trained by the federal government to quell dissent and pacify citizens to obey the government in the event of a declaration of martial law. 
that was my table of contents for that one report. It's a four-part study, and I give you all the links here in the PDF. Pastor, now going back to the main report from Dave Hodges, did Pastor Mansfield emphasize that the FEMA DHS drills were predicted, were predicated on bioterrorism? What have I been saying for years? I mean, I'm not saying that because I think I'm whatever. But I mean, let's say bioterrorism. They, the bad guys release whatever. Ebola, they self-infect themselves. Or they release a weaponized version of H5N1 avion flu. Or whatever. Some other plague. The pastors were trained to go to homes, which then you can really bring in the vaccines. Okay, and then the government, I think, is it's much more plausible because more people will be more desperate to do whatever they got to do to save their own skins and the skins of their family. And if they say if they can con you into believing that's going to be in the form of a, a vaccine, you're gonna a, a lot of people are going to do whatever it takes. They're gonna they'll give up their guns, they'll give up everything, and they'll gladly go along. They'll get their vaccines, which will be like basically like damnation, most likely. I, I really believe it's coming to that point. Where, who knows what's going to be in that vaccine. Nanomicrochips, where you're literally a cyborg. You're not fully human anymore. Foreign DNA of what, of only God. Isn't that what they did in in Genesis 6? They corrupted the DNA of mankind so much so, that God had to destroy the whole world, save eight people on the ark. Yeah, same thing he did then. How did Satan do it? By corrupting us genetically. By corrupting our DNA. He did the same thing in Genesis 6. God had to wipe the whole world out and start over again. And didn't Jesus say, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man? Isn't that what we're on the cusp of? So shouldn't we be looking for that? Well, there you go. That's a lot to take in. It's a a really heinous, heavy-duty, horrific picture I'm painting. I realize that. But I don't think I'm sugarcoating it. And I have study after study after study where I have confirmed this over and over again, that I think this is the way it's probably going to play out. I'm not a prophet. I am, I am, all I call myself is a teacher and a watchman. That's it. Apart from Jesus Christ, I am nothing, nor do I desire to be anything apart from him. The only thing I am apart from him, or the only thing I deserve apart from him, is death and hell. Okay, I'd be the first to admit it. I'd be the first to jump on the bandwagon and condemn myself as far as not being worthy of Jesus Christ. So, I'm not saying this because I'm so full of pride and so big thinking I'm a smarty pants, whatever. I'm just telling you, this is what has been confirmed over and over and over. And out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, a thing is established. So, Pastor Mansfield emphasized that FEMA, the FEMA DHS drills, were predicated on bioterrorism. The pastors were trained to go to the homes where people refused to be relocated by the authorities and their immediate job was to convince the reluctant their reluctant parishioners to willingly go to the relocation camps. This is what this guy was told in these meetings. And who knows what more they would spring on you when the time came. Well, we need to have you do this also. And we need to have you do this also. This was back in 2006. This is when I was first in ministry. You know, like over eight years ago here. The pastors were trained to go to the homes where people refused to be relocated, their, their, their own congregation, and their immediate job was to convince the reluctant parishioners to willingly go to the relocation camps. 
how on God's green earth could you live with yourself? Talk about having your conscience seared with a hot iron. Obstensively, this was to be done in lieu of sending in the SWAT teams. Well, they want to conserve resources. You know, they don't want to have to send a SWAT team. They don't really want that type of advertising if they can avoid it. They would rather you just go willingly to your death. You know, they'd rather be that way. Because, I mean, they don't want a lot of whatever to do about this stuff. I asked Mansfield if the FEMA camps were real, and he stated that much of the clergy trained training focused around the scenario of pastors operating within the forced relocation centers. So the pastors would be there as well. Probably comforting these their, their poor um, duped congregation all the way up to the time when they went to the guillotine. Or wherever. The main goal of the pastor assigned to FEMA was to bring order and encourage compliance with DHS requests. The, the, these devils, I pray to God they're all judged before any of this happens. Judgment must begin at the house of the Lord, right? Well, what if, what if all these pastors, just really, really horrific stuff started happening to them? These sellouts from Satan. These ones that are getting ready to sell out their, all their congregations. And they don't care if, if, if they're, if they're, if they all get destroyed, all their families get destroyed. As long as they save their own skin. I mean, what, what kind of worm would do something like this? But hey, if God, starts to literally judge these devils. And people start figuring this stuff out beforehand. I think a lot of people, number one, are going to get saved. I think the Lord's name is going to be glorified. I think great fear would fall upon the remnant. Because when God judges wickedness like Ananias and Sapphira, good things always happen. People get saved. People get right with God. That is the, that is the result of God's judgment. So I'm not, I'm not saying go out and hurt anybody. I'm saying if God did it. See, God knows who they are. God knows their heart. Maybe some of these people are truly duped. Maybe some of them really think they're doing the right thing. And they're just, they're just demonically blinded because of that 501c3 and whatever else has come upon them as a result of them getting yoked up with the government. I pray God give them eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive. I do. I don't want to see them or their congregations go to hell or get vaccinated and become something extra human. Or have their families carted off to these FEMA camps and all be slaughtered and tortured before that's done. In Luciferian sacrifices. And then thrown into the ovens at the end. I don't want to see that. I'm, that's why I'm doing this teaching. Because I don't want to see that. Because I do love them enough to tell them the truth. I don't want to see any of that. I pray to God that, that they get their eyes open. And, and, and that, you know, if they're not saved, they get saved. I don't see how a pastor could do this and be saved. I don't see how the Holy Spirit could be dwelling in someone and them to be this demonically far gone where they're going to be willing to do this. When the Comforter comes, when Jesus talked about sending the Comforter, he was going to instruct us in all things that we, you know, we need to do, essentially. And, and he says, my true sheep will hear my voice, and another voice they will not follow. That's what Jesus Christ said. So, how can they be hearing the voice of God? How can they be hearing 
or being convicted by the Holy Spirit. I don't mean even a physical voice. I'm just saying getting convicted by the Holy Spirit that should be living inside you as a born-again believer. How is that possible? If you're willing to go along with this, something so unbelievably in your face, satanically and overtly evil, call me crazy, but I don't see how that could happen. And, And really, that's a much more serious issue. Honestly, if you think about it, I mean... Dying in a horrific way and having your, your family subjected to all manner of, of, of evil before you died is, is terrible, is horrific, and I wish it on nobody. But doing all of that and going to hell is infinitely worse. It would be better to go through that and to not deny Christ and, and to not go along with this plan and to be persecuted and to be martyred and go to heaven Okay, where in heaven, that will seem like a light affliction in heaven. It will seem like, with the glories of heaven, it'll seem like nothing once you're there. Now, going through it, yeah, it's going to be, you know, but the Holy Spirit can give you the power to go through anything. He can also deliver you as well. And this is a big reason I've emphasized Psalm 64. For God to hide us from the secret counsel of the wicked. Who is the secret counsel of the wicked that we're talking about in this particular case? Well, it's the government, it's the DHS, okay? It's Homeland Security yoked up with these, the, the uh, pastors. That is the secret counsel of the wicked that we're in reference to here, that you're asking God to hide you from in Psalm 64. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. If you're not familiar with that teaching, just key in Psalm in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. And it will, that will really boost your, your, I think, your faith. It'll give you hope. Because I'm not here. I mean, the problem with Dave Hodges and his art, his reports that I'm reading, it's all doom and gloom. Every bit of it. Every bit of this is doom and gloom. There's no, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. It's all doom and gloom, worst case scenario. And literally, even though he calls himself a Christian, there's no mention of how God could deliver you. God always preserves a remnant. He always does. And in this particular case, there's so few that even know the truth. I think he's going to end up preserving the remnant that has an idea of what truth is, that is operating in truth, that has actively wanted truth. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. But that's predicated on continuing in his word. And having a love for the truth. Okay? And, and that having a love for the truth is, is, is incredibly, incredibly important. You go to 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they will believe a lie. I tell you what, let's hold on and let's just go to that actual verse so I can give you the full, the, the verse numbers and a little bit more. And this is regarding the end times. This is, this is after the wicked is revealed. This is after, or, or basically in that time frame of the wicked, meaning the Antichrist being revealed. Okay, And it says, even him who's coming is after the work of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. That's how he, the Satan and the false prophet will deceive the whole world. With power, signs, and lying wonders. Okay, um, With all, deceivable, all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Why? Because they receive not the love of the truth. 
that they might be saved. See, people that get saved have to have love of the truth, okay? It's very important to have love of the truth. You can't, I don't see how a person could go and get saved, truly get saved, and have no love for truth. Well, I got saved, bless God, and I want to live like a total, like an ostrich with my head in the sand. You know, you need to have a love of the truth. It's very, very important. It says they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. I think it's a prerequisite for salvation. It's one of the, you need to have humility. You need to be able to see your own depraved, sin-filled state. You need to have a love of the truth. You may not have had a love of the truth five minutes ago, but God may have convicted you in maybe a sermon or whatever, and now all of a sudden it's like, no, I want the truth. I mean, I'm, what I'm saying is that could happen in a moment. And then it goes further, and it says, and for this cause, because they didn't have a love of the truth, God shall send them strong delusion. God, see, God's sending the strong delusion that the church is under, this 501c3 corporate mess of a church, and elsewhere in the world. That they should believe a lie. God's sending them strong, strong delusions that they should believe a lie. That's going to be the norm. To believe the lie. To believe your pastor's lies in this case. Oh no, take the vaccine. It's for your own good. Oh no, get on the FEMA train. It's for you and your family's own good. Oh no, turn in your guns and all of your precious metals and all of your food stores. It's for the best it's for the good. And you're sitting there just trusting your pastor. And he's leading you straight to hell, essentially. For this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they might all be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. If you're over there and you're one of these 501c3 churches and, you're, and you'd be listening to this and say, ah, oh, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He's like, no, I've only had like, you know, eight years of saying the same thing and all kind of other confirmations over and over and over again. But you know what? Don't listen to me because I don't know anything. You're right. And it's, it's, you could take me out of the equation. You could say, do your own research. Look at this from an independent standpoint. Prove it the same way. The information's out there. And you could say, you know what? I'm going to have pleasure in unrighteousness. I like where I'm at. I, it's more warm and fuzzy. I'm not getting convicted about stuff. I'm not having to re- realize that, you know what, I might be martyred, you know, for, for, for the stance that I'm going to take. I might have to suffer persecution like all the other Christians did throughout the centuries. I might have to do that. No, I'd rather, I'd rather have pleasure in unrighteousness. It's, it's easier that way. I'm, I'm, I'm going to believe this strong delusion. You know, I'm going to embrace it. And the Bible says that they might all be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. I mean, ultimately, the, the main, main, main truth we have to dwell on is this. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation. He knows from the beginning to the end he has chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and the belief of the truth. So ultimately, our main truth that we would focus on is the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ in his word. Okay? Um, But again, cursed be the man that trusteth in man and that maketh flesh his arm and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Well, how does that apply here? Jeremiah 17.5 
It applies here because if you have blindly put your trust in your 501c3 pastor, and he's led you down this primrose path, and he's he's part of this FEMA clergy respine, he has not so subtly dropped these hints in his congregation that we need to obey, obey God, do whatever they say, be a good American, therefore our good, says it right here in Romans 13, you know what? You're, you're leaning on you're leaning on man. You're putting your, your trust in a man. You're not searching. You're not being like a Berean and searching the things out in the scriptures like we need to be doing. Cursed be the man that trusteth in man. We don't trust in man. I'm just telling people, don't trust in me. Trust in the word of God. I don't point people to myself. Point them to the word of God. I point them to Jesus Christ. If you're, if you're unsure about these things, fast and pray about it. Read the word of God. If, you, if you're lacking faith, then Read the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. So these are the things we need to be uh, focusing on, not just not just blindly accepting whatever your pastor is telling you. And if he hasn't been warning you for years about all of the things, about the sword coming, that, that's coming to the city, like the Bible talks about in Ezekiel 3 and 33, like a good watchman should be, because every pastor should be a watchman. Everyone. I mean, isn't he to watch over his flock? Well, no, he's just to turn them over to the wolves. What are you talking about? Well, sure, I mean, yeah, that's what he's supposed to do. Just turn them over to the wolves. Let the wolves devour them. Well, if he's not a watchman, that's what's going to happen. So this is what what they should have been doing for a long time. If you've never heard any of this stuff, that right there is a huge red flag. Well, he's a good man. Whatever. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. He is to be a watchman. And a pastor that looks over his flock. Anybody that looks over their flock has to be watching out for his flock, right? Well, that's what we're talking about here. So, let's go back to the main teaching here. And, um, this is just unbelievable. Okay, so I'm just read the last line again. The main goal of the pastor assigned to, the FEMA, to FEMA was to bring order and encourage compliance with DHS requests. And now we know you can research DHS and FEMA to know that they're pure evil. Their agenda is pure evil and death. Okay, ultimately. And, and this is, this is, he's going to encourage compliance with the DHS in, in order, and he's going to do this by keeping on emphasizing Romans 13. Okay, a twisted, twisted view of Romans 13. The pastors, now here's why you're not hearing about it. The pastors were forced to sign non-disclosure agreements. Interesting. The pastors were told not to quote scripture as well. So, the reason you're not hearing about it is they're forced, I mean, not only are they in one contract, with the government, with the 501c3. But they've also got to sign non-disclosure, probably by penalty of prison. And if they go to prison where they're going to lose their church, they're going to lose everything. So they're looking at this like life or death. They can't can't open their mouth. Um, The DHS document was prepared for pastors. um, Clearly states that scripture had, has been used to, quote, oppress people in the past. And that the presenter strongly discouraged its use. Imagine that. You wouldn't want to give them the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. No. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. You wouldn't want to quote them, you know, you wouldn't want to quote about all of the things that... Uh, anyway. Please see the following excerpt from one of the DHS training manuals. 
this is an excerpt. I actually have this sent to me by a listener. Healing Scripture in Prayer in Pastoral Crisis Intervention. I read this myself. I actually checked it. During a time of crisis, people do go through a crisis of faith. Oh, what a play on words. Sometimes, quick mention of God in Scripture may not be helpful. Now, this is this. This is the. They're, what they're doing is they're sending in these DHS pastors or these DHS. Um, let me just see in this particular case who it is. Um, this was very timely. Just caught this the other day. Pastoral crisis intervention: an overview of pastoral crisis intervention and debriefing. May 23rd, 2006, 6.52 p.m., I guess is when this was copied. This is a copy on a PDF. Sponsored by, it's blackened out. Director, Clergy Care and Leadership Development. This is the Conference of Seventh-day Adventist Church. So this is a a packet that they passed out at a Seventh-day Adventist cult church, because I call them a cult, another works-based devil cult. Um, The presenter, it doesn't say, his name's blacked out, but he has a Ph.D. and a D.D., um, and he's a certified pastoral counselor. This is from May 15, 2006. And so this is, this is from that particular, um, thing that we're looking at here. Okay. And it says, sometime quick mention of God in scripture may not be helpful. As we all know, scripture has been used to oppress, dominate, and at the same time, can be used for healing and reconciliation, renewing of a relationship with God and the people, If the pastor senses it is appropriate to use scripture and prayer, it must carefully be done for healing of victims not to uphold pastoral authority. Okay, so for the healing of victims, we need to not uphold pastoral authority. Because see, if we uphold our pastoral authority, okay, as victims, and and not FEMA's authority... We don't want that. We want to hold up the government's authority over us because they're always a force for good. We all know that. So we don't want to quote scripture because that might get someone thinking, he's the pastor, he's quoting scripture, he has authority. No, he has no authority. He's abdicated that to FEMA and Homeland Security. We don't want to give them any sense of pastoral authority because that could could be hurtful to the healing of the victims as well. That was on page 14. In other words, all legitimate pastoral authority was abdicated to FEMA by the pastors who participated in the roundup of their congregants. Isn't that special? Also, on page 14 in the same training document, pastors were admonished to avoid quote, unhealthy God talk. And let me, let me just read you that. I'll read it right off the document. Unhealthy God document. Let's find this. Page 14. Uh, Here it is, I think. Unhealthy God talk must be avoided during this time of crisis when probably your husband or your wife or your children have been carted off or maybe they've died as a result of the reaction to the demonic vaccine or maybe they just were not compliant and had to be exterminated. Unhealthy God talk must be avoided by the pastor to the to their to their congregant that they're consulting. What what would unhealthy God talk that must be avoided comprise? Well, number one, you can't say things like it must have been his or her time to go. 
or someday you will try, you will understand why. Now, this is the conversation they're saying that has to be avoided by the pastor. This is what FEMA's basically saying. Don't say this. Don't say it was actually a blessing because, even though that would probably be a lie in this case anyway, or God must have given him or her more than you, needed him more than you, or God never gives us more than we can handle. We don't want to use anything with God in it or implying there's a God anywhere, really, is what we want to do. We want to keep directing and funneling back to FEMA being our God and government being our God because they're always a force for good, as we all know, and we're seeing this amply displayed in this wonderful document that we're going over today. So let's go further. Um, specifically, pastors are ordered to avoid using references to God when helping people cope with the loss of a loved one. Oh, how benevolent of FEMA. Pastor Mansfield also revealed that pastors will be issued badges under the clergy response team program. Any pastor not displaying the badge, indicating that they have been trained under these guidelines, will not be permitted into the established and designated DHS safety zones. Hey, I guess, guess what? Once they're done killing all of your congregation and all of the sheeple people, they're going to kill you. You'll be the last ones, probably. Because they'll be used, you'll be used up. You'll have served your purpose. You, you Judas, you Judas devil from the pit of hell. Then it'll be your turn. Then, whoa, whoa, I signed all these agreements. I did everything you said. Too late, says Satan. Too late. Let me throw you into the wood chipper now. Feet first. That's probably what they'll end up doing to them. Because Satan, Satan is going to want to just, I mean, he's going to want to annihilate these traitorous devils. He's not going to reward them. He's not going to. There's no way. Anything having any veneer of Christianity, he is going to want to try to pervert it, kill it, degrade it, compromise it, vaccinate it, kill it, and then in the end, kill all the pastors too. I, I'm sorry, I, I'm just, this really, really upsets me, this whole subject, the fact that there's actually, quote, men of God out there, or women of God, pastors over their congregations, doing this. Can you comprehend this? So these pastors are going to be issued badges. And if you don't have one, you're not going to be permitted into the established and designated DHS safety zones. They should be called DHS death zones. This reminds me of the banishment of religious figures from the Plymouth colony who in good conscience refused to go along with some of the extremism of the day. Pastors are also absolutely forbidden to publicly speak about any aspect of the program. Well, that's the non-disclosure. If you were to ask your pastor if they are FEMA, a FEMA-trained pastor, they will, they will not likely tell you. That even, you. even them divulging that they are, if that got back to FEMA... That could be enough for them to lose everything. Who knows? It could be enough for them to throw them in jail. If nothing, if nothing else, they'd lose their 501c3 tax exemption and their church would be done. Disturbingly, Pastor Mansfield reiterated several times that the number one job of these pastors is to calm down people and encourage their compliance within the people's new surroundings. Heard all the sheep together. Come on, aren't you the... You're the, you're the shepherd, right? Herd them all together. Keep them all calm as, as you, usher, you usher them to the slaughter. That's what your job is, pastor. You do it. 
You're the last one to go in the chute, though. Just remember that. You're the last one to go into the slaughter chute. Pastor Manfields also stated that pastors will be utilized as informants and spies. This violates the legal privilege of confidentiality between pastor and churchgoer that is currently recognized by law. All churchgoers can no longer trust the sanctity of personal confessions and revelations. Now, when they say personal confessions, I don't mean the confessional. I mean you go to your pastor and confide something. Okay? Just consider it FEMA's business. Okay? He's keeping tabs if he's a good little Nazi. If he's a good little brown shirt Nazi, he's keeping tabs on you. If nothing more, mental tabs. He's gathering information so that when that day and time comes, he might have a lot to hold over your head to get you to comply with the government, the FEMA, because he's doing God's work, right? He's doing Satan's work by doing that. I see a lot of that in the, in the New Testament where, where the apostles were going around scheming behind all of, the, all of their new converts' backs and, and, and trying to do things to get them destroyed and annihilate them and make, make sure that they all died and, and, yeah, get them in full compliance with the government. Yeah, I see a lot of that. I really do. This one illegal act by the DHS completely undermines the Christian Church of America. Summary. What pastor could, in good conscience, participate in this heinous program. Mansfield told me there are an estimated 28,000 FEMA-trained pastors. And who knows what the real number is. 28,000. You know how many more people are going to be getting on board when when that actually happens? There's probably going to be a lot of quick converts. As soon as they're under any kind of pressure, they're going to cave. And they're going to get on board real quick. The pastors in America are being coerced to participate because there is an emergency that is declared. No pastor who does not have FEMA-trained government badge will be allowed to be in a declared emergency area. Pastor Mansfield felt strongly that this was the government's way of removing Jesus from America's landscape and set the stage for the ushering in of the New Age religion. They're never going to kill the remnant. They're never going to kill all the remnant. I guarantee you that. God always preserves a remnant. It doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't. Because the Lord Jesus Christ is going to prevail. And his remnant is going to prevail. And they are going to end up in the lake of fire. And his remnant is going to end up in heaven for all eternity. Okay, that's how this all turns out. No matter how bleak a picture this may look like. You know, hey, if you're not on a 501c3 church, consider yourself blessed. Regarding this information... It is mind-boggling to fathom how so many reporters and media types deny the existence of FEMA camps under these circumstances. It is also disturbing that any pastor would agree to participate in a program in which Jesus and the Bible end up as an afterthought. Since interviewing Pastor Manfield, I have been contemplating the potential wisdom of Alexander Solzhenitsyn, in which he made the following quote, We should have resisted the KGB at the front door. If the KGB thought that they might not go home that night, the Russian people might have had a different fate. Well, they just went along blindly with the government. They went like sheep to the slaughter, is, is I guess the point he's making there. So, um, you know, I think in light of this information, you know, uh, pray, fast about it, take it to the Lord. I know that's good advice I'm giving you. I know it's not bad advice. Get in the Word of God. Get right with the Lord. 
cry out to God, get on your face, whatever it takes. You know, if you're seeking direction, I'm seeking direction. I'm in the same boat as basically you are all in. I don't have some master game plan, mastermind out where I have this big time exit. I really don't. I'm in the same boat, and maybe God's kept me there for that exact reason. So that maybe I could empathize with my listeners um, more. You know, because I'm in basically the same boat as probably the vast, vast majority of my listeners. I don't have some big armored redoubt that I've got planning on running to. I really don't, you know, have any of that. And I think he's kept me in that condition, again, so that I would be able to empathize uh, and sympathize with a lot of my listeners who are in that boat. And, and particularly, it, what's really, you know... the, the a lot of the, the the Christian women that email me, and they're in that boat, and they don't they don't even have a man in their life. They they're by themselves. They're isolated. Maybe a lot of times they're in a city, like a big city. Oh Lord, have mercy! But you know what? God can deliver you. God, God. I mean, I, I guess that expression or that that saying that says you know the safest place you could ever be is in the center of God's will. And if that is in the middle of one of these H E L L holes in the city. He can still protect you there. You know? The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth them. Those are the verses that we need to be focusing on. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against him. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and the righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Those types of verses, I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. You know? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Praying Psalm 64, praying Psalm 91, staying humble, trying to help and educate other people, reaching out to other people, praying for other people, praying for the body of Christ, praying for the remnant, um, not letting, letting pride dwell in your mortal body. <laughs> you know, Because pride is what blinds you. I'm convinced of that. It blinded Satan. It was the first sin in the Bible. Bible says because of his beauty and his merchandise, his heart was lifted up. He, and he, he was so deluded that he thought he was going to take over the throne of God. That's pretty deluded. So, um, all the things that I just mentioned are um, good, solid things. I, I, I think that I could stand before God and say, okay, I, I know I gave good advice. Because I'm trying to point people back to the Word of God, to the Lord Jesus Christ, to righteousness. And... Um, that's all I have for today. So I'm going to go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day, this time you, that you've given us, Lord. Um, we do pray, Lord, that uh, for your divine intervention regarding these matters. I pray for my listeners, Lord, for the body of Christ, for your remnant, Lord, that um, we, we see these storm clouds approaching, Lord, and know that no matter what could be on the horizon, no matter how dark or bleak or, or evil it may look, you are greater than that darkness. You are greater than that evil. You will conquer that evil. And that this is temporary. And that even if we were to suffer and, and to lose our own life in this earth, absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I just pray to God that you give us all the strength and the courage to get through with whatever's coming, that we would never ever deny you in any way, shape, or form, that we would not be deceived or tricked of Satan into taking anything like one of these vaccines or or uh, whatever other 
device or tool of Satan that will be perpetuated on the body of Christ through its supposed shepherds, God. Its supposed pastors. But the Bible predicted that evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, and that these wolves in sheep's clothing would abound, and these hirelings that have no true love for the sheep would abound. So the Bible is very clear on that, Lord, and I just pray that you'd bring that to the forefront of our thought process, that you forgive us for any and all sins we have committed as we forgive those who have sinned against us, that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength, and the, our strength and our Redeemer, that you cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults, that they would not have dominion over us, Lord, that you, by your divine providence, would guide every single one of us, would guide our family members, that we would be in unity, Lord. And if there's ones out there, Lord, that you would have families, or, or let's say... Um, single um, women or widows and these types of people that don't have, Lord, any other family member. Their, their families have forsaken them. And if it is your will, Lord God, that you would start bringing them together with other like-minded Christians, Lord, ahead of time, if it be your will, ahead of time, that they would be preserved, Lord, that, that this would not be something that just comes like a thief in the night. In other words, Lord, that the remnant would band together ahead of time before all of this calamity falls. According to your will, Lord, I pray, God, that, that you would open the doors no man can shut and shut the doors no man can open, that uh, your will would be revealed regarding these situations to us and that, above all, we would be obedient to whatever you would tell us to do. And we ask all these things in the, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.